Hey everyone, welcome back to episode number 45 of the 20% podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. Boy, am I excited to introduce today's guest, Hala Taha. Hala is currently the host of the Young and Profiting podcast, which has frequently been ranked as the number one educational podcast across all apps. She's also the CEO of Yap Media, which is a full-service social media and podcast marketing agency for top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs. And last year alone, their first year in business, they generated over $2 million in revenue, which is absolutely insane. She's also very well known for her engaged following and influence on LinkedIn, and also landed the January 2021 cover of Podcast Magazine. During this episode, we discuss so many incredible topics, including rolling up your sleeves and doing any job that is needed, not taking advice just from anyone, how all of your experiences are valuable, the importance of building a team, delegating and outsourcing, prioritizing your marketing of your podcast versus just the content alone. And we also discussed how there are truly no gatekeepers to success. This was such a great conversation. So grab your notebook and paper. Enjoy this episode with Hala Taha. Hala, welcome to the 20% podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm so excited. I want to give my our friend Adam Posner a shout out for, for doing the introduction. I know we have a, a number of mutual friends like uh, like Adam, Rich Cardona, um, Heather Monahan. I had on the show. Oh, wow. Well. You know, you know, the whole crew, huh? I do. And actually, Kara <laughs> Golden is going to be uh, the episode oh. I did with hers coming out this week as well. So uh, but again, I'm so excited to have you, Hala. Welcome yeah, to the show. likewise. Yeah. And Heather and Kara are both of my clients. So really cool that you're having them on. Well, you have, uh, and I know that uh, Heather's one of your mentors as well. So it's really mm -hmm. cool that, and I want to get into some of that story too, but we'll, we'll hold that for, for a little bit. So Hala, I told you a little bit about what the 20% podcast is all about, but I want to take a, a big step back to high school Hala. Okay. What did you want to do with your life when you were in high school? Oh, good question. So in high school, I actually thought that I was going to be somebody who created makeup. And so I, I went to college with a chemistry degree, thinking that that would be my way of satisfying my parents, which they wanted me to go to college. I wasn't allowed to be an entrepreneur straight out of college. They also like, you know, everybody in my family are doctors or lawyers. And that's kind of like the trajectory that my parents wanted for me. So this was like a chemistry job. At least it was some sort of like scientific cool job. That they, right? Yeah. And they would be proud of me for being a chemist or whatever. So that's what I thought I was going to do when I was in high school. I didn't get on a mic yet. Like podcasting really wasn't a thing. I was always into radio and very into using my voice. I had a very great singing voice. And so I'd always have a solo in all the concerts and I'd always try to be in the plays and things like that. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to use my voice, um, but wasn't sure like what that would exactly be. And so I had two, two dreams specifically. I wanted to be a singer. That was like a big dream that I, I even tried out for American Idol. Like I recorded an album in college. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, also create my own makeup company. And I, I truly believe that I'm still going to create a makeup company just maybe in 10 years. <laughs> wow. That is so interesting. And I think that some of the entrepreneur experience that you have now, I'm sure will absolutely correlate into, into some of that, but taking one step back into the entrepreneur. So did you want to be an entrepreneur right away and your parents wanted you to go to college or what did did the entrepreneur thing come after you started to 
learn chemistry and say, ah, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Entrepreneurship thing came later, but I always had a really entrepreneurial spirit. Like I was like a hustler since I was four years old. My mom said that I used to get all of my cousins to create like art, like, you know, like draw things. And then I would go to Sunday school and try to sell everybody's drawings and like, pro and not give them any money. Like I would make them make all well, the, you pictures. were a shyster when you were four. <laughs> and, then I, and then I would sell them. I would sell it to all the moms, like, just cause I was like so cute and little and they, they would buy it just cause they felt bad for me. And then I remember over the summers I would recruit my friends and we used to do like slushy sales where we, we would make slushies in the park and I would sell them. And then it moved on to bracelets where I taught all my friends how to make bracelets. And then we would sell them in the park. And so I was always like a hustler like that, where I had something going on. And then as soon as I was as a, as soon as I was 13 and like legally allowed to work, I worked, even though my parents actually just wanted me to focus on school. They just wanted me to become like a doctor or something. And I refused to do that. So I had every sort of odd job. I shampooed hair. I worked at a gift shop wrapping gifts. I, you know, worked at the mall and like every single store you could imagine. And so that really helped my sales skills and my social skills. So by the time I was in college, I had a lot of skills that I had developed in terms of sales and social skills, which really helped me later on. And, and that is so incredible. And thank you so much for diving into that a little bit as well, because I'm actually writing a book now, not talking specifically on uh, it's it's going to be called All Roads Lead to Sales because I truly believe that sales skills are the foundation to a successful life, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but what it comes down to is I, it's so interesting. I've talked to so many people about what their early stories are, and there's always some kind of sales skills or some kind of skills that they're learning from those early jobs, and they're, it's bringing it into the future. So what was could you think back to just one of those first jobs? What's a skill that you're, besides just the sales and kind of working with those customers, is there any skills that jump out as the CEO of a media company now that you're like, wow, that was like a really, really good experience that maybe I didn't think so at the time, but now it's like, I'm so happy I did that. Yeah, it's, it's not being too high up for taking nitty gritty action because I started at the lowest of the totem pole where I was literally making minimum wage wrapping gifts, for example, or, you know, doing whatever sales job I was doing. It made me later on never feel like I was too good enough for any task. And that's really important to be able to roll up your sleeves and just like get dirty and not, you know, be too egotistical to think that, well, this, you know, I'm not going to schedule my own meetings because I'm the CEO of this company where it's like, if it needs to get done, it needs to get done. No matter if I'm the CEO or like the lowest level employee. So I think it grounded me a bit, especially because, you know, I didn't grow up, um, you know, my parents grew up very unprivileged in Palestine and in poverty. But by the time I was born, my parents lived in a good town and it's like, I had a good life. And so I really think that it taught me like hard work and discipline and humbled me a bit because I didn't have to work, but because it was, it just, you know, gave me that opportunity to, to learn and to, to be around people who didn't have their dad as a doctor and like, you know, and, and grounded me a bit, you know? So I think, I think it was a really good experience. And I think everybody who's young should try to work and get as many experiences as possible. I love that. And I think it's way more than, than the 850 that you were making or whatever the minimum wage. Like, yeah. I think that's something that I really want to instill that, listen, you're, we're, listen, we're talking to a top CEO right now who's, who did a seven figure side hustle while working at another company. Like it's very important to, to not only roll up your sleeves, 
but to gain all of the skills that you can, because no matter what job you're in, you're going to take them moving forward. It's not like, oh, I did, I washed hair over here. There's lessons that you're going to learn from that. And also just even approaching strangers, the ability to approach strangers. Cause a lot of these were like retail jobs where like my job was commission-based to like sell like outfits to people, you know? So having to the courage to go up to someone and start a conversation and figure out like every time you do it, it's like a test and you figure out, okay, well, this didn't work this time, but maybe I'll try this next time. And like, you keep iterating on what you're doing where now it's like, if I'm at a networking event, I have zero confidence issues because I'm like, yeah, I did this when I was working minimum wage at Arden B like, or whatever the right. store was, you know? So it's like, it's, it, it really helps your social skills. I love well. that you were A-B testing when you were in some of your first jobs, because that's one of the skills <laughs> that's like one of the biggest skills of succeeding of why are you going to keep beating the drum on something that's not working? Oh, this, this is so good. So before we dive into a little bit further down your journey, I want to ask for those who may be, um, and I don't know what the dynamic was at your house with this, but some people, their parents want them to do something, but they're afraid uh, they want to do something else that maybe doesn't align with some of those goals. What kind of advice do you have for people that are in that same position? Yeah, I would say that a lot of the times people who love you give you advice because they have your best interest at heart. But at the end of it, they actually don't have the real world experience to be giving you that guidance. So there's lots of people who love you, but actually don't have the right experience to be giving you guidance that you actually listen to. So for example, my parents wanted me to be a doctor. They wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, something very like you go to school, you get a job and that's it. And that was, and it was because they wanted to protect me. They thought that was the path to success. That's how they got out of poverty because my dad got a scholarship to medical school and then they got out of poverty. So they were like, that's the path to success, follow our recipe. And so um, the thing is, is that they never were entrepreneurs. They've never been to where I have been. They didn't speak English perfectly like I did. They didn't They weren't outgoing like I was. Um, They weren't, you know, into using their voice like I was. They weren't great researchers. Like, so they didn't know what I had inside of me, you know? And so instead of listening to them, I should have listened to somebody who's been where I want to go. So like, let's say if I would like, for example, Heather Monahan is one of my mentors now and Jordan Harbinger is my podcasting mentor. Awesome. So it's like, I have Heather on the business side and I have Jordan Harbinger is like the world's biggest podcaster on the podcasting side. And I will only take podcasting advice from Jordan. I will only take business advice from Heather. And it's because I'm not going to ask for business advice to my brother, even though he's amazing, but right. he's a doctor and he has no entrepreneur. Why would I ask him advice on that or take his advice on right. that? Because he's never been where I want to go. So you should only get advice and listen to advice from people who have already been where you want to go. If they haven't been there yet, they can't guide you there because they actually don't have the experience. And so I guess in a nutshell, it's like people may love you and have good intentions. It doesn't mean you should follow their advice. Oh, that is, that is so good. And that's important for everybody to listen to because um, I, you know, not that wasn't how my situation was, but I, I hear people of or maybe they're just stuck in a, in a career because that's what they want to do. So if there's anybody who's listening, who's maybe here too, it's, it's not too late to do something differently. I mean, I know if you went to medical school, it's kind of tough to get out of the doctor bit, but um, 
but it's still not too late to, to do different things. Well, there's plenty of doctors also who pivot and become entrepreneurs and, and maybe they start a medical device company or something else that is like using part of their skill set, but allowing them to branch out of being a doctor in a hospital, you know? So I think there's plenty of ways to kind of branch out no matter where you are in life, no matter how old you are to your point. I love that. And that was thinking outside of the box too. So that was, that was awesome. So I want to stay on the Heather Monahan topic as well, because I think it's, I personally have just started getting, I don't want to say formal mentors, but really le- leveraging like my, now I have a business mentor. I don't, do you know who Scott McGregor? Have you ever heard Mm-mm. the name? Okay. So he's, he's really good friends with Heather as well, but he's my biggest mentor. Um, in your opinion, why is it so important to have a mentor? How did you go about getting them? And then also What's the role of the mentee in this relationship? Because you want a relationship is both ways. Yeah. And I think this is a really great point. So your first question in terms of how I got my mentors, the key is being of service. So I'll give Jordan Harbinger as an example. So Jordan is my podcasting mentor. And like I said, I only get podcasting advice from him because I literally have always looked up to him and he's just such a great, he's like exactly where I want to be and who I want to be when it comes to podcasting, but like the female version. Right. So, um, basically what I did is I invited him on my show. One of the great reasons of having a podcast is you can talk to people who you would otherwise never have a chance to speak to. Right. So I invited him on my show and he accepted. So that was the first foot in the door and I did a great job. I did plenty of research, just like you're doing right now. And you're doing a great job by the way. Thank you. And, um, you know, had him on my show, had a great conversation, promoted the heck out of it. And that was kind of, that was kind of it for a little bit. And then I reconnected with him and always made it a point to reconnect with him. So for example, when I landed the cover of podcast magazine, it gave me an opportunity to say, I listened to these three podcasts. One of them was Jordan. Right. And so then I messaged him be like, Hey, I featured you in my magazine feature. Like, uh, and it let him know what I was up to. And then, you know, then let him know that I featured him. Then, um, you know, I'd reach out to him. Hey, do you need help with LinkedIn? I'd love to give you some pointers. I got on a phone call with him and taught him how to do LinkedIn automation. You know, it just out of nowhere, didn't ask for anything was just like, this is how I built my huge LinkedIn following. Your following is not that great. I think you could do better. Let me help you. Right. Then, um, he reached out to me and he told me, Hey, like my producer is, uh, sick and I have to do this commercial and I, I don't really ever write copy. Like, do you think you could help me? And I was like, of course, you know, and I wrote ad copy for him. And uh, he was like, oh my gosh, you're really good. And then one thing led to another and we started doing business together. He started referring people to me because I started working for him and he saw like how talented I was in terms of marketing. Then he would start referring me. Then we started having like weekly calls uh, on media buying. And then one thing led to another and he's in my Slack channel and we talk every day. Like, you know, we're talking every day, 10 times a day. So it just happened organically. And it's all because I would proactively reach out to him. So like anytime I was featured in a blog, I would mention Jordan as my favorite podcaster. And then if that blog went out, I would then message him. So I played that kind of a game with Jordan and it worked out great because now it's like, he thinks of me for any opportunity that is too small for him, but big enough for me. And like always pushes opportunities my way. 
and he gives me guidance and I'm growing my show faster than ever because I'm working with somebody like him who's giving me his 12 years of podcasting knowledge when I only have three, right? right. Um, and he sees the hustle and he believes in me and I help him too. And so to your point, in terms of what is the role of the mentee, I'm the one with the ears on the ground. You know what I mean? I'm the one telling him, you got to do Clubhouse. We're going to get Clubhouse sponsorships or uh, I'm sure he finds me mutually beneficial, which is why he keeps me around. It's, you know, because it's like, I'm telling him information. He's telling me me information. I'm kind of coming from the new school side of things and he's coming from the old school and together we're better. So um, it's just equally going back and forth and providing value to each other. So I think there's a role in the mentee in that way. With Heather Monahan, it was the same thing. She came on my podcast. She saw my marketing. She she proactively reached out to me. Hey, I'd love to hop on a call. Your marketing is so good. How do you do it? Show me how you do it. So I got on a call with her. I showed her around Canva. I showed her around my Slack. I showed her my processes. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And she was like, Hala, this is like so impressive. It's like what Gary V's team showed me. And like, you just have like a team I, at the time. I had a team of 10 volunteers in a Slack channel. This was just 10 months ago. Now I have 40 employees who are paid on payroll. <laughs> and so uh, those volunteers turned into team leaders. But anyway, she saw what we were doing. She was so impressed. And she's like, you can scale this out to other people, to other podcasts. And I listened to her and I was like, okay. She's like, I'll be your first client. And I was like, okay. So I charged her really cheap. I think it was like $500 a month. Like now I would never do a deal like that. But like, right. it was just like, to figure it out. And, uh, it worked for her too, because she got somebody to help with her social media and, and I saved her a lot of time. So, and, and then that turned into a client, not just a mentor. Um, you know, somebody who has such a big name for me to be like, Oh, I do all of Heather Monahan's podcasts and social media. Everyone's like, where do I sign up for social media rocks? Like, you right. know, <laughs> right. And it's cool too, because you're, you're leveraged and I'm not, you're not using Heather of course, but they could see what your product is. You're pretty much marketing yourself through yeah. others as well, which is probably another good way. And, and two, I mean, Heather would refer you business as well. So I think exactly. it's so cool that there's a couple things, the mutual, and I'm, I'm excited. I don't know if you could tell or not, but there's, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Um, number one, it's all mutual. It's, it's, you know, yeah. you want to give back to them as much as they want to give back to you. But the biggest thing, and I noticed this about the podcast world, since I I'm almost a year in, I've done 40 episodes or something. Um, everybody wants to help each other. Like there's so yeah. many ears, like you, you know, all the people that we know in the podcast world could still not fill the ears of every single person that wants to hear it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very collaborative community overall. I mean, there's definitely like, as I get more and more higher up the food chain, there are like clicks, you know, there's like the Lewis house click versus the Jordan Harbinger click. Like, you know what I mean? There's like little clicks and pockets, but overall, very collaborative. Wow. I love that. And I look up to you as somebody who I know you look up to Jordan. I look up to you being a couple of years down the road as well. So oh, thank, so thank you. you for, for all of that as well. Um, so I, I want to jump in a little bit uh, to, there's so many different areas that I want to jump into. Let's jump in first to um, a little bit further down your career progression. So you had the job at hot 97 FM uh, so almost signed, or you did sign with MTV twice, but things twice. got a little hairy there. Um, worked for HPE a little bit, and then mm -hmm. you were at Disney. Which, which one of those, ex do you reflect on any of those experiences? Like, I learned so much here, and it's helping me so much now. Like, I think of, from me looking outside looking in, like, at HPE, you had a ton of different marketing jobs, right? How does that help you for your marketing today? 
Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I think that all of my experiences have prepared me for today, not just one of them, even like we were talking about earlier in this conversation, like even like my stupid retail jobs have helped me become who I am today. And I think that who knows, maybe if I didn't take one of those experiences, I wouldn't be Halataha, you know, host of Young and Profiting Podcast, number one education podcast. Like, you know, I'm not sure if that's where I would be. Um, HP was wonderful. I mean, that was definitely a place where Hot 97 in comparison was like abusive. Like if I, if like, that's the best word that I can think of um, right. because I worked so hard and like they refused to give me a paying job and I was, a, you know, worked for free for three years. And it was really, really uh, fast paced, but like hostile environment. And like, you know, I, the, the story is the short story is that after three years of not getting paid a dime, a paying job opened up and I was hustling, hustling, did everything for everybody at that station. And then they didn't give me the job. And not only did they not give me the job because I was upset about it, they basically fired me and cut me off and tried to blacklist me from the industry. So that was like a really abusive situation. Like I learned a lot, but it was like, so hostile. Whereas HP was like, the culture was so good. Like HP taught me really good company culture. It's like, I was the president of the young employee network, the CEO would like, uh, and the CMO, like I worked for them directly and they were so nice. And I got promoted so many times and I was just rewarded for my hard work. And I was allowed to kind of take on extra projects and they never gave me crap about being really involved in employee networks. And like, I would be planning their company picnics and their holiday parties. And it was just, it was just like a very positive environment. And that was my first glimpse into like positive corporate culture. Right. Whereas my other corporate experiences, like I said, were like, not great. Like, you know what I mean? Like hot 97 was like a fishy place 10 years ago. Like right. I was not the place for like a little 19 year old girl to be hanging out. Like right. bad things have happened to me at that station. Right. Like, and we don't have to get into that, but like, it was just like the sexism, all of that was really crazy. And then at HP, it was totally different. It was like safe. I really could be myself. It was really about my brain and not what I looked like. And I was just allowed to flourish and really got great corporate experience at HP. I, if I had to pick one place that changed my life in terms of like my ability to lead this company and the values that I took for the company now, it's HP. I went to Disney and it was hostile again. Um, everybody was super smart and I learned a lot. And in terms of like the tech and everything, but it was like every boss was a white male. Um, you know, if you did something outside of your job, you were like reprimanded. Whereas at HP, if you like filled a gap, you were rewarded. Like, you right. know, like you weren't allowed to step on toes. It was really teams hated each other at HP. It was like every team was inclusive. So HP had a great culture that like, long story short, I love that culture. And I, I've tried to mimic that in my own company. So like I took the culture from HP and then the experiences is, is something that I acquired all along the way. Like Young and Profiting Podcast is actually my fifth show. I had multiple radio shows over my journey. I had online radio shows when I worked at Hot 97. I had online radio shows at Strawberry Blunt. I had a YouTube show at one point. So I used to do live interviews at concerts and stuff like that as well and host parties. And that gave me experience on the mic. So it was like all these different experiences. I had a blog site. So I've written thousands and thousands of blogs that helped me with social media at HP. I ran like, you know, their company page on LinkedIn. I'm sure that had an influence with me starting my LinkedIn journey and becoming one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn right now. So I think 
you know, I've accumulated so many skills over the years, over so many different experiences and so many leadership opportunities. I think that's the other thing that really differentiates me from other podcasters potentially is that, you know, at 20 something years old, I was leading 50 girls in the sorority of hip hop. And then I was president of my alumni association. And then I was president of the young employee network at HP. And uh, so I've had lots and lots of leadership experience, which obviously helps me now as a CEO. Right. And the bottom line too is, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through a lot of those tough experiences, but what it comes down to is you obviously learn from those tough ones and you know that you want to stay away from those, but then it allowed you to embrace that, that other work environment and be able to work and not worry about all the other stuff that was going on, right? And focus on the work. So um, yeah. now do you think, and I think, did I talk, I think I asked Heather this, a similar question as well. Do you think that you needed to go through working in corporate America to be able to become an entrepreneur then? You know what? Yeah. I feel like if I hadn't had that inside look into what a good company is and how a good company runs, I think that I wouldn't have been equipped to create a successful company as I have so fast. So for, for, so people understand, I, I started Yap Media 10 months ago. I'm now at 40 employees and we're going to hit $2 million in revenue in our first year. Wow. And so I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't know how to run a business. And I learned how to run a business by being inside of really good ones like HP and Disney right. and seeing how they run their marketing teams. And I have a marketing agency. So having all of that experience, working so many different marketing jobs, marketing ops, sales, marketing, communication, internal communication, social media, you name it. I had every job in marketing. Right. So it really gave me a glimpse of everything. Um, and then not to mention when I was younger, I used to build websites and, and kind of learned on the internet as well. So I got to like merge all those experiences and all together. Yeah. And I did have it. I did start out after college as an entrepreneur. I started the story of hip hop strawberry and I failed. And it's because I didn't have business experience and I was trying to run a company without ever seeing how a successful company has ever run to begin with. So gaining all that corporate knowledge and learning on somebody else's dime is really underrated. And I really encourage people to get five, five or so years experience before you go launch your own company. I think it can't hurt, you know, get a bunch of jobs, learn on somebody else's dime right. and then start something that, you know, will be successful because you have the experience to actually run it well. Wow. And I love that learning on somebody else's dime. Now, you built a seven figure side hustle while you were still working at Disney, right? Which I think mm -hmm. seven figure side hustle that you should write a book with that title because I think that that's <laughs> awesome. Um, could you tell us a little bit more if you did write that seven figure side hustle book, what would some of the main topics be? Yeah, how you I think did it while you're working. So I think the key was growing a team. I think I would never have been the successful. I don't think Yap would be successful as it is, as big as it is, or the company Yap Media if it wasn't for my team. So by episode two, I had started a team. Um, and it was fans who reached out to me saying like, oh my gosh, like your podcast is so inspiring. Like I love what you're doing. How can I get involved? And so by episode two, I had Timothy Tan, who's now my business partner, has 10% of the business. Um, 
recruited working for my show. And then, you know, slowly I'd had somebody from Estonia reach out to me and he wanted to build my website. So he came on board to build my website. I had Hisham from California who wanted to help me book guests. And so he came on as my guest outreach manager. Then I had Parth from Georgia come on and he wanted to help me with videos. So he started managing my YouTube channel. And so it's like, I was working full time. I obviously didn't have time to build a right. YouTube channel or build a website or do whatever, but I had all these people who were invested in the mission. And I think when you have a really strong mission and like you come from a place of good intentions, like I started my podcast, not to become a millionaire. I started my podcast to help other people become successful. Right. And it was clear that that was my true mission. And all those people were like, I just really love your mission and I want to help and I have this skill and I have free time and I want to learn from you and I want a community of others who are like-minded. And so we started this Slack channel and it just turned into Yap Media organically um, with that story that I told you about Heather. And so I really think that the key was scaling my team and not being afraid to delegate and outsource. And so I started hiring virtual assistants who would help me with my DMs. I started learning about automation. How can I scale this? How can I be more efficient on LinkedIn and really grow my following even more drastically than I am on my own, you know, using automation tools and using virtual assistants and things like that. And then with my marketing, like how can I create templates that can be repeatable and scalable that I can then train other people to take this on. And they're happy that they learned how to graphic design, but I don't have to do it anymore. You know, right. I just create the initial template. Right. Yep. And same thing with video editing. I can create one video template and then teach everybody else how to do it. Same thing with the audio. I can create the audio template for the mixed mastering file and then have my engineer replicate it. And so that's what I did. I would do the first thing and then teach everybody and train everyone. And they were happy that they learned a new skill. And then I would keep building on that. So they would keep learning and stay motivated to basically volunteer for free for the podcast. Cause at, at that point I was making zero money. So I wasn't going to pay them, you know? Um, but then as soon as I also started getting paid, I started paying everyone. Right. And so the motivation kept building and building till now, you know, there's people at Yap Media making six figures working for me with teams under them. And they started as, as a free volunteers and everyone is quitting their full-time jobs, including me. I quit last February. So this February, 2020, I, it's just, it's just two months ago. I became a full-time entrepreneur or however months ago now, maybe four months ago now. Wow. So yeah, it, 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 it was a really organic journey to where I am now. Wow. That is an incredible story. And thank you so much for painting that because this kind of segues nicely into my next topic of I'm a one man band right now when it comes to a podcast and LinkedIn and trying to build my personal brand and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm the person who's in charge of sourcing guests, recording, editing, social marketing it. So I'm just going to use myself as an example. Do you have a full-time job? I do have a full-time job as well. So this is like the, you know, when my wife and, and child go to sleep, oh, no, I have a wife and a, a child as well. So that's, um, you know, less time, I guess, to, to kind of do some of the 100%. stuff. Um, so I'm doing this stuff at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, just because it's a passion, right? What is the best piece of advice do you have for somebody who, besides maybe doing the virtual assistants or maybe trying to um, recruit some of the interns? Um, to, to kind of help grow the podcast or grow the personal brand? What does that look like? Well, I think you have to pick your priorities, but again, I, you need a team. You need to start building a team because even though I had a team, I was still working till midnight. 
I just got to work on bigger, more strategic things. I got to land sponsors and try to figure out how are we going to actually grow this show? Right. How am I going to get featured in app? How am I going to get a new blog so that people find out about me? How am I going to make this connection? How am I going to land Matthew McConaughey? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like I got to think of bigger things because I was able to outsource the things CEO that were role, less, right? yeah, like that were less important. So I, I don't want you to think that, um, I outsource things. So there's less work. I outsource things so I can work on bigger things and move the needle. Right. And so you need to get into that place of how can I outsource audio editing? Maybe I can find somebody on Fiverr in India. Maybe I can like, it doesn't have to be expensive. Maybe I can recruit interns and start an internship program. And you have a great podcast so far, Tyler. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people who are fans who would may want to work for you because you actually have potential as a podcaster. I go on these shows all the time and you're engaged. You ask good questions. Like you have potential to become a a big podcaster in the future, you know? And I don't know, you might already be like halfway there. I'm not sure. I don't know your stats or anything, but like, um, anyway, I would say it is about outsourcing. I think that's like a key component, but in terms of like how to prioritize, you need to think about like what really is going to move the needle. I see a lot of podcasters who like spend a whole ton of time like on show notes or like transcriptions. And is that really going to move the needle or they really, really focus on content. So they have two episodes a week, but they don't do any marketing. Does that really make sense? Or does it make more sense to do one show a week and, and equally focus 50% on production, 50% on marketing? Because if you're doing shows and you keep putting out shows without doing marketing, nobody's listening to all this content. And then you have old stale content out there that nobody's listening to. Right. And it's just a waste of time. So it's like, prioritize your marketing, prioritize pulling in people to actually subscribe to your podcast more than your content. I would put out one episode a month and market the hell out of it, then put out four or five episodes a month and barely do any marketing. I think it's much better strategy to try to market really good content that you have, but spend just as much time on the marketing as the production. I think that's really the key with podcasting that a lot of people miss. Wow. And thank you so much. And I appreciate all of those kind words because I do love what I'm doing and I'm passionate about helping other people. Um, so, so that's great. And I, I didn't mean to take away from your hard work. I know your hard work. No, I know. I know. I'm just <laughs> calling it out. I know. I know. Absolutely. So that is incredible. Hala. I have a couple more rapid fire questions that I like to ask. Um, okay. so, and I don't want to say rapid fire, but just common questions. So if you are teaching a college 101 class based upon any of the previous experience that you have in your life, whether it's work or the podcast, or whatever you're doing, what would you teach and why? So a college course, what would you, what I would teach it and why? I would teach a class about how there's no gatekeepers to success. Something about like how you can create your own path and you have the power to create your own path. And if somebody is out there um, who's, if you're like failing over and over again, try to step back and, and think about like, am I failing because a gatekeeper is not letting me in? And do I just keep trying to find new gatekeepers to give me permission to succeed? And I think that in all the times that I've actually succeeded in my life, it was when I decided that I was going to take things into my own power and create my own asset. So whether that was creating the sorority of hip hop after Hot 97 fired me, or whether that was starting Young and Profiting podcast when I didn't get an opportunity at HP that I wanted and it kind of pivoted into starting this podcast, 
it was all because I decided to create my own thing. And when you believe in yourself and you believe that life is limitless and you take relentless action and you're not afraid of hard work, you can literally achieve anything that you want on your own. And you don't need somebody to give you that job title or give you that permission or sign you for MTV or whatever it is. You can create your own path. I built my podcast completely independently, no network, nothing, you know, and that was because I had the grit and and the commitment. And I decided that I didn't need anybody to give me permission to succeed. Wow. That is incredible. So go out there and just go do it, right? Be strategic. But work hard, don't be afraid of failure, and keep going at it. I love, I'm going to take that, that college course. So, and after <laughs> I talked to Heather Monahan about her college course, she got the job at Harvard. So, if you want to teach somewhere, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, that, was, uh, <laughs> maybe that was it. So, final That's question so I'm going to ask, what is one thing about Hala that people may not know or most people may not know? One thing about Hala that people may not know or most not know. Well, they might not know that... Um, let me think what I'm pretty damn transparent. I feel like I tell everything, everybody, everything. I mean, they might not know that I'm Palestinian and that, you know, I think a lot of who I am and the way that I attack the world and approach the world is partially because I grew up as an Arab American and I grew up post nine 11 or like in like, you know, nine 11 was like middle school, high school for me. Right. And I'm Arabic. And so a lot of like my thick skin and my grit and my like unrelenting uh, passion is driven from the fact that I've been judged a lot by my name. And I've been like denied a lot of opportunities because of my name. And I don't mean to use it as, as an excuse, but like, you know, there's been so many times where I was like the right candidate for something. And I just, there was like, Nobody could give me a reason why I didn't get it. And it's like deep down inside, I knew it was because, you know, maybe because I'm Palestinian or I'm Arabic or like the Arabic can't be the face of an MTV show, you know, in 2014, just three years after 9-11, there's no way that MTV was going to put a Palestinian American as the lead of the show, even though they filmed me all summer and promised me like, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. And even in high school, I didn't get a lot of opportunities. Um, but then there was some situations where like at HP, where I was treated like everybody else. And it gave me a glimpse of what that feels like, you can, you know what I mean? And there was, there was different, like, thank God I had experiences where, um, that didn't hold me back, but for a long time it did. Even I remember being, uh, you know, in college trying to get a job and like, i I felt like I had such a great resume or whatever, but it's like, even just having a name, like Halataha on your resume, it's like. I feel like I get 50% less callbacks just because of my name, you know? And like, I have to, if I want to make that a non-issue, I have to put my picture next to my name. Like, you know what I mean? Because then it's, I look human, like, and, and it, it humanizes me. Like, you right. know what I mean? Right. So I just think that like having a really Arabic name, like I have and, and growing up around 9-11 and, and having all those experiences and, and being Palestinian, which is like, you know, still the only people in the world that live under apartheid state, like in Israel, like all that stuff. Like I used to go back to Palestine when I was younger and and saw really bad stuff and and was treated really bad for being Palestinian. And I think all of that has made me who I am today and made me this like really open, loving, uh, never judge anyone. My team is a global team all around the world, treat everybody equally. And I think that 
that kind of upbringing, like I said, gave me the grit that I have, gave me the resilience that I have. And I don't know if everybody quite understands that. Right. Who follows me. Well, thank you so much for the vulnerability. I'm sure that that was not uh, something easy. However, um, there's a lot to learn from that as well. And I, I truly believe that although those times are probably not easy as you were going through them, and they may not even continue to be sometimes, you're showing all of those haters or all those people who have something negative to say potentially wrong by doing everything that you're doing and, and still portraying yourself as you are. So yeah, that's awesome. So, so that is incredible. Hala, thank you so much for your time. Where could people learn more about you? Thank you. Well, you guys can follow my podcast, Young and Profiting. You can find us on every major podcast platform, Apple, CastBox, Spotify, you name it, we're on there. I'm also on LinkedIn at Hala Taha and Instagram at Yap with Hala. And I host Clubhouse Rooms every day. So if you guys are up and coming podcasters, I do podcast office hours. I also launched a new podcast called The Audio Newsroom with Hala Taha. And um, that's a new podcast channel. It's also live on Clubhouse. And I talk about all the latest in podcasting and drop in audio news. So if you're a podcaster, you might like that one. I'm going to go check that as well. I'll check that out as well. Hala, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. This is fun. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please share it along with your friends as that's one of the best ways that we're able to spread all the lessons that you learned in this show. If you'd be willing, I would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast as that's another great way that we're able to get more incredible guests on the show and also expand the reach of the show as well. Until next time, cheers.